uh, now joining us here on our show, and we're grateful to have him uh, be a part of uh, our station as he is the radio play-by-play voice for the Utah Jazz on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. Honor and privilege, David Locke, how are you? I'm good. Pretty historic day today. First time ever in the history of any of our major sports that there's been a a boycott of a game in the Milwaukee Bucks, whose team has been um, actively involved in this uh, for some time. Um, And unfortunately, has had multiple player incidences of either pure racism or police brutality um, over the last few years has, you know, made quite a, quite an impact in the stand. And now they're, we'll see what the next step is. I, I, I suspect, um, I don't know, but I'd be surprised if we, if this didn't continue for a day or so. You know, David, it was interesting. I would have all these questions listed down for, you know, recap nuggets, jazz game five last night to preview game six tomorrow. But then all this boycott has kind of taken over in a, in a whole new way. You are uh, close to the Utah Jazz and have a very close ear to the tracks, if I might say. The relationship of the players within that locker room, can you talk about how meaningful it is for those guys and how much it means to them to be united as one, despite the different cultural backgrounds they might come from? Well, I mean, I think that all of these locker rooms, I, I don't know that I think it's unique to the Utah Jazz at this point, um, are going through quite an incredible time, right? So um, the Utah Jazz players, um, Donovan Mitchell has obviously got himself very much on the forefront of this, but um, m- many of the players are, um, at this point, you know, suddenly been thrust into the role of being civil rights leaders. Um, and at the same time, they're in this unique circumstance where they're confined and spending a tremendous amount of time together. And so I think they're also holding conversations about life experiences and feelings and emotions. And that they probably, you know, you, you don't hold unless you're really spending uh, an incredible amount of time with people. So I think this is turned to be, you know, the whole experience from COVID-19 to um, the civil rights movement that's taking place right now. Uh, our modern civil rights movement to, you know, being in this bubble in the midst of all of that has, it has to lead to uh, collectiveness and a bonding that's very different than what has ever, anyone's ever experienced before. Do you suspect that um, games will continue in the bubble, the playoffs will continue, or just put a, a, a pretty good stop down to all of this? Is there a lot of players that were questioning if they should be there in the first place? Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know the answer on that because I think I don't understand what the feeling is in the bubble. So from an outside perspective, I thought LeBron James and Chris Paul post game the other night were really thoughtful and well-spoken. Doc Rivers was unbelievable last night. Um, And I thought the players had been doing a marvelous job of having a balance um, or not even a balance. I don't think they have to have a balance, Uh, a marvelous job of just maintaining a voice and um, having their thoughts heard. And I thought they were being heard. Now, maybe I'm just too in the bubble, right? Like I'm in the NBA bubble. So I hear everything they say Um, where I get a vibe that that there's some feeling that they, you know, that they're not being heard. That I think, I think they feel as though that they may not be having an impact. Um, There's another aspect to this also of when you're, you know, they're isolated. They're not with the ones they love and they're watching on television. There's another black man gets shot by the police. You know, that's a pretty, you know, you're feeling that your family's not safe and you're feeling that you're, you know, that's a pretty incredible experience. And to not have people near you at that moment, I think is, um, 
is um, is hard. So I think the bubble got harder too when they went through the traumatic experience of seeing yet another black man um, shot. So I think that that's or killed. Um, and I think so that there's just a lot of factors here. I do suspect that the playoffs will continue, but I don't know that I know, I don't know that I really know why I say that. I, I can give you a hypothesis with not a lot of factual basis on it. And so I think I, I probably should not say anything because I don't quite understand what the mood in that bubble is. And I think that's a unique environment. Um, I did talk to three people earlier today before there were boy, before the boycotts, uh, before the Bucks boycott, that it was incredibly tense and that there was this real feeling inside that something had to be done. So it's not, I wasn't surprised when I started to hear that trickle out, that matched what I've been hearing earlier. So there's a, an energy and an ecosystem going on right now inside the bubble that may be different than anything we can anticipate. David, I loved your tweet earlier today that you had listened to Doc Rivers last night. You had listened to Sam Mitchell on NBA TV and then you tweeted disconnect between how the black person views and fills the world what the white person thinks of what the black person's world is the Grand Canyon. I hope it's okay to ask you this, but can you share what you've been able to learn and how much you've learned about uh, the the Black Lives Matter and the whole, uh, I guess, social justice thing? Can you just share what you've learned through it all this? I mean, I think what I've really learned more than anything else, and I haven't necessarily learned always from our players as much as I've learned it from others and just talking and listening and, and actually asking the question that nobody ever really wanted to ask. That's, that's the regret that I probably have over the last decade is that there was this, the, I felt like there was in retrospect that like if I was holding a conversation with Johnny Bryant of the jazz staff, that there were probably three questions I would have liked to ask him, but I didn't want to seem like that guy asking the black guy that question mm. and fact of the matter is I think he might have appreciated that I was concerned and interested and actually asked the question and I think you know that's probably the first thing I've learned is that you know ask the question and be willing to learn because their life experience solely based on the color of their skin is vastly different than yours and you know and, and then I'll, I'll be really honest and this is probably the wrong thing that I've I, and, and just by listening and you know, I've learned, I didn't realize how universal the experience is. Um, you know, and we're, you know, in Logan, Utah right now, or, you know, our the black population might be a percent or two. Um, you know, we're, there's not, we don't have a lot of exposure. We live in Utah. Um, and so I'm not sure I understood quite that every single one of my black friends or any black citizen, that the rate of how much every one of them had been taught by their parents what to do in the case of an interaction with the police. And that almost every single one of them have a story. And frankly, every single one of my friends um, that I've talked to do have a story about where they were harassed or bothered by the police. Every single one of them. That's, I didn't know that. Um, my wife has happens to be Japanese, which is, you know, a minority. And when I kind of said that to her, she looked at me like, of course. So there's a level of ignorance on my part there where I think, you know, I've had to listen and I've had to learn. I thought I was pretty well um, informed, read, um, you know, in touch. And I think that was my biggest flaw. Uh, David, Chris Haynes is reporting that uh, 
uh, there's a sizable amount of players that are advocating to finish out the playoffs because of all the sacrifices that have been made to be a, a part of the bubble. But there's also a significant amount of players uh, that feel like they should consider these forfeits and that they shouldn't continue on to, to really signal a sacrifice it's being made to make a, a stronger statement on that. I think I got the vibe the Milwaukee Bucks wanted to forfeit today. Wow. That that was the vibe I had on how this was playing out. I did not talk to anybody in the bubble. That was just and that the NBA quickly postponed all games so that they didn't have a forfeit. But I think that the I think that the Bucks wanted a forfeit. The Bucks wanted that statement. I, I think that's true. Also, it's it's expanding well, I mean, now beyond let, basketball. Let me, let, me ba- let, let me back up. Well, I just I want to quickly I, just I, say Milwaukee well, no, Brewers no, 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 are also going to no, cancel actually, their game. Okay, because I want to make sure I'm clear on what I'm saying. I don't know that as an NBA source. The Bucks didn't take the floor. The Magic did. It was not a it was not a unified thing between the Bucks and the Magic. Right? The Magic True. went through warmups. The Bucks did not. That's where I surmised that the Bucks were willing to take a forfeit. Yes. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, and just to, if if people didn't hear that, Milwaukee Brewers they're gonna they're gonna boycott tonight. They're not gonna play. Um, more I guess more teams are also talking about not playing tonight, including the Seattle Mariners, um, who have the most black players of any team in the Major League Baseball. So, is I, this is this more than just an NBA thing, then, David? Like, it's just like a sports wide thing that we're gonna see happen. I mean, it should be a society wide thing. We have a major problem in our society. Sports often is the mechanism which these things get manifested, as was the case in 1968, as was the case of Jackie Robinson. As you know, that's not unusual for us. But then we have a we have a problem in our society on this. Do you but, think that uh, we talk about that? You know, playing sports, uh, being able to continue the the, the game, uh, gives athletes still a, a voice and an opportunity to have these you know these messages and to and to talk about things that are really important to them in what's going on right now. Um, is there? Do you think would there be a concern that if these if there is a stop down that that would take away from that opportunity? So again, I I think we have to be careful here. Um, I don't know what a black man feels when he sees that video, right? George Floyd made me sick to my stomach, but I don't know what a black man feels when he sees that. I don't know what a black man feels like when he sees another one, two months later, it may not be like, I don't know the emotional toll. I don't know what they're feeling. I don't know that. So to value judge in turn whether their voice is being heard or not, I think is is not a place I'm comfortable being. I, as I said earlier in the interview, I thought the players have done a, a wonderful job of maintaining the social justice theme in the midst of playing. And that, you know, Chris Paul and LeBron James were both very well spoken the other night, I thought, after games and use their post-game platform on national television for that. And Doc Rivers, if you haven't heard Doc Rivers, just the pain oh, in phenomenal. his heart last night. Like, if you haven't played that on your show today, you certainly should. Like, I think we're all, we all have an obligation to play that, frankly. Um, he's a you know, major spokesperson for the league and one of the most respected people. And for him to open up and share the way he shared last night 
was really an incredible moment. To me, those moments are happening because there's a media platform to them playing. So in that sense, I think they've done a really good job of, of maintaining that. But I'm not about to make a comment that would value judge whether or not that's the right approach. Cause I don't know the emotions and the feelings and, and where and how they sure and what they're going through. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you've been judicious with your time and we appreciate that. And there's a lot of issues going on today. If, and that's a big if right now, if these playoffs resume, um, the, the Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray battle has been so fun to watch. I, right now, it's still kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around sports after what's happening today. But if it does continue, uh, have we seen anything like that in a Jazz playoff history? Two players that uh, we've seen great players individually, but I don't know if we've seen them at the same position go back and forth at each other like we're seeing so far in this series. I mean, my only quick one that comes to mind is some of the KJ Stockton battles that might have taken place. But I mean, mm. you know, they had other scores. I think KJ had Tom Chambers and some other people, and and obviously in Donovan, you know, and John had Carl and Donovan. I guess as Mike Conley as a scorer, and Jamal has Jokic. Um, but uh, you know, the level of of you know two fifty point games have never been ha- have never happened before in the history of the game. Um, you know, we're in a unique setting where I think the more the guys play in the exact same setting, their shooting's getting better. Um, I think they're beginning to shoot better and better and better and better every game because they're just so comfortable in this gym. Um, I think that they're not traveling and so they're more rested than they've ever been before. So they're, they're shooting better and better and better again. Um, so I think there's a real, um, there's some uniqueness to what's going on, but no, I mean, I mean, Jamal Murray was, really incredibly exceptional last night. Donovan was actually really great too. It just didn't seem like it. Cause you know, <laughs> Jamal Murray hit 14 of his first 17 shots of the second half. Good like, okay. Gosh. Like good night now. <laughs> hey David, uh, we greatly appreciate you. We know you, uh, you've got a lot of things going on right now, so we can't tell you how much we appreciate having you on our show. Best wishes. And we look forward to maybe, and hopefully soon hearing you on our station again on your play by play call. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. I appreciate you.